This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you. AFC title game, Chiefs 17, Baltimore Ravens 10, the NFC title game. 34-31, the Niners beat the Lions. Both very entertaining games. In different ways. Um, The AFC title game, Seth, two huge Houston parallels in this game uh, with these teams. One, I think, evokes positive Houston memories. The Chiefs are now the Astros. They have been, but they, like, the numbers are startlingly similar between these two teams. The Chiefs are now in their sixth straight AFC title game. We know the Astros have made seven straight ALCSs. Chiefs have will now have gone to four Super Bowls. The Astros have been to four World Series. They've each won two. The Chiefs have a chance to win a third here. They're a one-point underdog against the San Francisco 49ers. So that's the the good one. The bad one for Houstonians, the one, the one that invokes bad Houston memories, Lamar Jackson is officially cementing his status as the James Harden of the, um, of the NFL, uh, where... Major, major regular season monster. He's a tour de force in yeah. the regular season to the extent where he's he's won MVP. He'll he'll have won multiple MVP awards by the time next week rolls around and he wins the MVP award at the NFL Honors. Even similar to like James Harden with the Rockets, like you know, finally after a few years broke through to a Western Conference Finals, and that was a big breakthrough. And then it went it went horrifically bad against the Golden State Warriors yeah. in 2015. Yeah. And similarly, Lamar. Finally breaks through, gets to an AFC title game, and it was not a great day for Lamar and company yesterday. No, it wasn't. I guess, um, I guess the other comparison you could make is to an early years Peyton Manning, where Peyton was just absolutely phenomenal in the regular season, <laughs> and then a huge, huge flop of a disappointment in the in the postseason. Peyton went years without winning a playoff game. Yeah, like it yeah, took him really like bad. five or six years to win a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Really and uh, I guess the question is, all right. As it was with the James Harden Rockets, it's it's a little dicey with the Rockets because I like I, as easy as it is to pile on James Harden, they also they also were they did happen to be really good when there was an all time great team in the conference. You know, I like if it if it weren't for I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that like oh they basically won a championship, but. If it weren't for the Warriors being just as good as they were, I think the narrative would be a little bit different. But there's also, I mean, there were also playoff disappointments that involved the Spurs or other teams where James Harden just just was not the same guy in the postseason as he was in the regular season. I think that that, that part 
the Colts with Peyton Manning in the early years where they couldn't play defense when they had to play defense. Uh, Peyton Manning didn't have great games when he needed to have great games. The the Ravens feel the Ravens under Lamar Jackson feel a lot like that. And his MVP seasons, all right. Is this a, is this a team that's just built for regular season success? But when you go up against genuinely awesome defenses, uh, what happens to you? It didn't it didn't look good yesterday. Yeah, um, that's interesting. The the dynamic of having a great team or a potentially great team during an era where there's just an all time team. Yeah, because the Chiefs are that right now. The Chiefs, I, I think the Chiefs, I think similar to the Astros. Like I think there's a lot of fans of American League teams, probably the Yankees, maybe some others that feel like. Man, we just we we had our window at a time where the Astros had just created this juggernaut for six, seven, eight, however many years it's going to wind up being. That's an interesting one, Seth, because I wonder who that team, that fan base that feels that way in the AFC is right now with the Chiefs. Like, man, it's, it's probably Buffalo, right? I mean, because Buffalo has actually lost to the Chiefs three times, three times yeah. in the postseason now. Yeah, it's probably yeah. Buffalo. I, it's hard because this year's version of the Chiefs is a different one, though, too. It, the, the Chiefs' defense is really, really good, and it has been all year long. Like, it's no fluke that they looked as good as they did yesterday. I think the difference is that, yeah, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have a different gear that they get into when they're in the playoffs. That's, that's the most impressive thing to me about the Chiefs is yeah. this season – Similar to the Patriots. Like, remember early on with the Patriots dynasty, they were doing it with defense. Brady was not somebody you leaned on necessarily to go win for you. He was more of a cog in the in the machine. And then by the time 2006, 2007 rolls around, Brady's an elite quarterback and he's thrown for a jillion yards and all that. And over the you do it over 20 years, you're going to wind up just by happenstance doing it different ways. But the fact that the Chiefs have flipped it so quickly that they've adapted, you know, they trade Tyreek Hill, so now they're not by nature going to be as explosive as they used to be. They're going to have to lean on their defense more probably. That their defense is probably their more impressive side of the football over the aggregate of this season. And that they went on the road and got to this Super Bowl too. You know, like that that was something a lot of people were saying, man, I don't know. I know I was saying it. Like that's hey man, this is going to be uncomfortable for them. This is the first time they're going to have played a playoff game outside of Arrowhead Stadium, aside from Super Bowls, which are neutral fields, but like leading up to the Super Bowl, and they pass with flying colors in both of them. They beat the Bills as underdogs. They beat the Ravens as underdogs. That's the most impressive thing to me is that the Chiefs have adapted. You know, they're they're winning differently now than they were yeah. when they were winning the other Super Bowls. I, I, I also think, though, too, I mean, the Lamar Jackson story, I feel like there's a little bit of the what happened with Josh Allen last week. All right, did Lamar Jackson play well enough to at least win this? Like, did he play well enough to win this game? Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers had a touchdown. Like, there, there was a, that was a touchdown. Zay Flowers should have scored a touchdown right there. He has the ball poked out. Um, and then other guys just kill drives with just absolutely 100% idiotic decisions at times there. And I think that, like, Lamar Jackson played much better in the second half than he had in the first half. That's where I don't. I, I think that the final, the the first half of this game, and then it's not like it was an overwhelming final score, but it was uh, it was one that maybe didn't tell the whole picture of exactly where this was. Uh, like I, I, this could have been a gritty, tough win for the Ravens if just a couple little twists of fate had been different. Um, so I'm not. I, I guess. Like as I talk my way through it, I I'm not as down on Lamar Jackson as I was at the end of the game immediately. When you think about all the other things that went wrong for them. In yeah, that game. I, I still don't think he played well. I um, He had a lot of passes knocked down in the first half. Uh, he, I mean, he had his, 
if he doesn't catch his own pass, he has as many completions as he has batted balls in the first half of that football game. Yeah. Um, the, the, I, know, I mean, Pat Mahomes didn't have a great second half. You know, it just, like, Pat Mahomes, they, they scored, I don't know, they scored 17 points in that game. Um, it, it, there was a lot of other stuff going on with the Ravens beyond Lamar Jackson. No, no, game. I understand. I'm not putting, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not, there's a lot, there's a lot of blame to go around, and I've yeah. dished it out for sure. There's a lot of blame to go around with the Rockets, too, when they would lose games, but it would always fall on James Harden because he's the star. And I don't think there was – James wasn't all that likable either. That probably didn't help. Lamar's probably a little more likable. This is what I'll say about Mahomes and Jackson, Seth, is that when it came, when it came to nut-cutting time, Lamar Jackson threw an interception into triple coverage and Pat Mahomes converted a third down deep down the yeah. field that ended the football game. Like, that's that's how these perceptions get created, for better or worse, is that when it, you know, when it came time to make a play, Mahomes made – the biggest play of the game, and when it came time for Lamar to make a play, you know, you're driving, you're trying to tie the football game, yeah. he he threw an interception into triple coverage. So um, it's tough, tough morning to be a Ravens fan, man. Well, they and the, the Ravens have a tough offseason. They got a lot of decisions to make. A lot of their best players are are free agents. And I, it's funny, I, I like, Mata BK is a free agent, the, the really good interior defensive lineman for them. And I I cannot find an article written that says that the the Ravens have like come to terms with him or something. But there are a bunch of Ravens fans who are convinced there's like a secret agreement between Matabike and the Ravens that he's totally 100 percent coming back. Um, I don't know. Like the Ravens are very they're they're not as liberal with using the franchise tag as a lot of other franchises no. are. But whether they keep Matabike or not, they have a lot of. Um, some of the top tier, but then a lot of their kind of like blue collar dudes that are really important to the team are also free agents and they don't have a ton of cap space. So it's, it's not so simple that the Ravens can just run this back. Not impossible or anything. It's just going to be a different team next year than it is right now. They're, they're going to have to replace some of these guys. Well, and they're entering expensive Lamar era. You know, this yeah. is, you know, Lamar signed that big deal this past offseason. So they're entering a new era of having a quarterback that costs 50 million bucks a year. The other, uh, the other thing, one of our listeners makes this point, uh, to Seth's point about regular season dominance versus postseason, can't that really be more of a coaching issue than players? We hear how great Harbaugh is, and he's really a good coach, but the Ravens team yesterday looked undisciplined and frustrated. That falls on coaching. They looked like the Texans when they played the week before. I think that, yeah, I do think that John Harbaugh does deserve a fair amount of scrutiny, at least, for the fact that that, that team looked like the moment was too big for them. Between the the number of of absurdly idiotic and stupid errors they made in that game, um, and then just some of the physical errors and mistakes that they made, then yeah, I, I think that they looked like a team that was a little bit blinded by the lights. I don't know how much though. I don't know how much Harbaugh can be blamed for just the lack of experience in those. You're going up against a team that's got a boatload of experience in high pressure situations, whereas the Ravens don't and. I, I know, like to some degree, are the Ravens a little bit of a victim of their own success, and that they they very very rarely had to play from more than a touchdown uh, behind in, in, in games this year. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. They just weren't they weren't comfortable in that situation, and it looked like that as early as the first half. I thought Todd Monken got very antsy as the offensive coordinator in that game. Um, I you know too big for the was the moment too big for them. I yeah I think it might have been, which is in a way you're at home. So on at first blush, I say, well, that's inexcusable for you to have the moment be too big for you when you've got the home crowd behind you. 
But there are different ways for the moment to be too big for you. There's the, I'm on the road and I have the deer in the headlights version. Yeah. Like the Texans against the Chiefs back in 2019. Um, when they were coughing up that 24 nothing lead. They got, they, they, the moment got too big for them. I think the moment got too big for them. I thought you laid this out perfectly earlier in the show where they almost got to too high of a fever pitch. You know, yeah. you want to get the water to boil. You want to get the water near the boiling point, but you don't want it bubbling and boiling and have it be at 250 degrees. Well, yeah, they, they like John Harbaugh told the broadcast crew beforehand that, for one, they weren't going to let Mahomes get away with scrambling and not getting hit at times, which is a, that's a dicey proposition in today's NFL. I do think the, the officials on both sides and, and both those games last night were not calling roughing the passer nearly the same way they were early in the season this year. They were allowing some hits. So maybe that was the right strategy, but man, yeah, if the recipe called for 190 degrees, they were at 212. Yeah. They were like, they were a boil and they, they were so you end up. Getting all the, like Zay Flowers with his taunting penalty. You have uh, uh, Genevieve Clowney hitting the quarterback late. You had all these things that were just a little bit over the edge and over the line, and those things add up. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's kind of my point is that like there's there's different ways for the moment to be too big yeah. for you. The moment can be too big for you, and there's timid, you know being timid sets in, or the moment can be too big for you, and a complete lack of discipline sets in. And that's what I thought it was for for the Ravens. I felt bad for Zay Flowers because it it was almost like. It was almost like Kadarius Tony had inhabited Zay Flowers' body or something like that. Like that's not who Zay like the Zay Flowers that you saw, like that's that's not who he is. Like he was I mean, I remember the scouting reports of him coming out of BC yeah. and it was like, man, this this is a kid whose football character is super high. Guys are leaving BC in droves when the transfer portal became a thing and he stayed at BC. Um just a dude who just he's a Baltimore Raven. Like the dude just He's the perfect Baltimore Raven, and it was like really out of character for him to do what he did when he got that taunting penalty. And then obviously it was a, just a it was a physical mistake to reach out and then fumble the football. And then we haven't even brought this up. He gets back over to the sideline and winds up and punches the bench and slices his hand open. Like, and totally- looked and looked the entire time after that. Every time the cameras came to it, that he was just like in emotional turmoil. Yes, uh, it was just he was freaking out. Yeah, uh, which it's. Understandable and yet not where you need to be in those moments. That's like okay, we're get the steely-eyed focus back and get back out there and redeem yourself. Yeah. It was a, it was kind of a meltdown for Zay Flowers in a game where he was one of their only actual good options. Yeah, and like like that's the the really double-edged sword of it was man, he was the actual guy that was doing stuff and and making things happen and yet he was also hurting the team more than anybody else too. You know that another storyline in Baltimore this year is going to be got to get Lamar more weapons. Got to get him more weapons, you know, after people spent the season saying, "Well, he did draft Zay Flowers and hey, these are upgrades, you know, OBJ's better than what they had. Rashad Bateman is doing some decent things." And I get it, Mark Andrews was hurt for a big chunk of the year, but I guarantee you that that'll be a storyline in Baltimore. Like you got to get, you got to get, you got to get Lamar more weapons. Um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a reaction Monday. All right, let's um, let's get to the NFC title game. Dan Campbell taking a lot of heat this morning over decisions to go for it on fourth down and uh, not kicking field goals in situations where I think many coaches would have kicked field goals. Decisions came back to bite him. What was his explanation? What was his message to the team? After their loss to the 49ers yesterday, you're not going to want to miss that. It is an interesting message. It's a message. really interesting yes, one. Yes, I promise you, you will not, 
You will not want to miss that. That's next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Dan Campbell, head coach of the Lions, is taking some this morning because he had two crucial decisions in their loss to the 49ers yesterday that many believe were integral in them losing the game. Up up by two touchdowns in the third quarter, fourth and two in 49er territory instead of kicking a field goal to go up three scores. He chose to go for it on fourth and two. They don't convert. Josh, uh, Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, probably a ball he should have caught but does not secure it, and so the Niners get the ball back, and eventually they go ahead 27-24. We'll, we'll dig into some of the details of that comeback because there were a lot of very lion things that happened in this game. The other fourth down decision was late in the game in the fourth quarter, down by three, 27-24. Fourth and three or a 47-yard field goal, the decision Campbell made was to go for it on fourth and three. Jared Goff throws incomplete. Niners get the ball back. They go down score to go up 34-24, and essentially the game was over after that. 34-31, the final score. Um, We should point out Dan Campbell, one of, if not the most aggressive coaches in football all season long in terms of going for it on fourth down. Has been for years. Here was Dan Campbell following the game explaining his decisions, particularly the one that would have tied the game in the fourth quarter to go for it on fourth down. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard. 
you know, it's hard because now they didn't. We didn't come through. It wasn't able to to work out. But I just, I don't, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny all good. That's part of the gig, man. Yeah, um, I, I, this is where I am on this because I think uh, a lot of people like have understandable objections to it going for it, hundred um, percent. I think that there's this perception that the analytics are saying that you are always telling you you should go for it. And that coaches are following that, and then and and that's why analytics are ruining football. I don't feel that way at all. Like in this particular situation, if you just go by the analytics, it goes. It gave a slight favor, like a point oh two percent chance or something of going for it. And and I think one or both of those situations, whatever it was, I honestly think if anything, it's just kind of liberated coaches to actually go with their gut more, and and not take the conservative route necessarily, but to make that decision where hey, in this moment. Given the game flow and given what we do, do we feel good about going for it now? And do we have a pretty good chance of making it? Yes. And I thought that the the outcomes of the plays showed that, yeah, they actually did have a really good chance of making it. You also have to factor in the fact that their kicker, who is a replacement, is career like just above 50% on on kicks from 45 to 50 yards. He's just not a good kicker. And you could argue, okay, well, they should have replaced him before that or what have you. All right, he's already a replacement. And B, what you should have done beforehand doesn't have a damn thing to do with what you do in the moment. I like, this is what got them there. It, they were not egregiously stupid decisions or anything. It wasn't like he was going for it on fourth and five or fourth and ten or what have you. This team, the, the Lions all season long, they convert at 70% when they go for it on fourth and two or fourth and three. And, and what happens is, when people analyze these decisions in their minds, they always assume, oh yeah, of course, you're going to kick the field goal, and then you'll have that lead. The other team won't score at all, and uh, it makes perfect sense. Just like in baseball, when you're like, oh, of course, I'm going to bunt. You're just going to have a guy go out there and bunt. Then he'll get on base, and then he'll steal second. Like all these things, you turn it into a parlay in your brain. Like It's worked for Dan Campbell. It, it got them to the championship game. And and frankly, they don't have an awesome quarterback at all. And like that, I don't think you could trust that they're going to just cruise on in with that extra three points and 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 assure victory with some of the. I mean, look at the mistakes they made later on. Um, I'm that, I'm just good with it. I don't. I I'm all in for it. And it and it's not because the analytics. Like I would just say, the analytics don't usually give like, oh yeah. You've got a seventy percent chance, better chance of winning it. it. It's usually like, okay, well, it's fifty-fifty here. You can either go for it or kick the field goal, and either one makes sense. Whatever the coach feels uh, is, it's it's his call. Yeah, the the variable in the second one is just how bad the kicker is, for sure. I, I think yeah. that's a really good point. Like he's in the, in the numbers, he's thirteen of twenty-four in his career, including the playoffs, from forty-five to fifty yards. To me, the big number in that is the twenty-four. He's only attempted twenty-four field goals in his career in that range. So he's an inexperienced kicker, including eight of 16 outdoors. So the, so that's, that's absolutely a variable in all this. And those are in situations too. a lot of them where it's, you know, week 14 of the regular season. This is with six minutes to go in the NFC title game. You know, just how does that pucker factor factor into all this with the, um, with, with the lions? Um, so, I mean, those are decisions that came back to bite Dan Campbell. There's explanation on the other side of those, which he was making, which, you know, you can debate back and forth. Um, to me, the, the huge, to me, the biggest play in the game was the interception, potential interception that bounced off the safety. I forget his name. Number 28 that bounced off his face into the hands of Brandon Ayuk and put the Niners 
right at the doorstep for a room service touchdown. That was followed by a fumble by Jameer Gibbs on what looked to be sort of a miscommunication on the handoff between him and Jared Goff. They score a few plays after that, the Niners do, and now all of a sudden it's tied. That was the big one to me. The the IUK catch on the 51-yard doink off the guy's helmet, yeah. that Which was the are- one that got the Niners kind of going again, you know? And I wonder if that was going to be called an interference. And I mean, the, the the official threw the flag and they picked it up, but it was because of, uh, maybe because there was a reception, or maybe because somebody else with a different angle said like, "No, it wasn't." Um, I, I don't know. Like sometimes, like now, the the booth has given these guys a lot of rec- yeah. recommendations there. So one way or the other, that uh, they may have ended up down there. I guess that was the one that. But I also think, I mean. With or without the interference, I I don't feel like Brock Purdy actually turned a corner until the score is twenty four twenty four. I didn't really feel like I didn't feel like the the Forty ers were you know methodically driving down the field or anything. They that first field goal of the first half there was that one big reception to Debo Samuel down the middle, but it was a very herky jerky affair and just kind of some some flukish weird things that got them back in the game, and then that's when. That, that, and that's when perhaps just everything else took over. Yeah, his numbers are really good in the second half. He was 13-16 for 223 yards. Again, 51 of those yards probably should have been an interception. Yeah. Um, I thought where Brock Purdy was really good, we're going to get to Dan Campbell in a second here, the message to his team, because I know we tease that. Um, I thought where Purdy hurt them more than anything was with his legs. Yeah. It's crucial scrambles at really crucial times in the game. When they ran, it was after the fumble. He ran from the twenty-five down to the four-yard line. Yeah, and uh, like that—that that was that—that that put them in position to score. That ended up being the McCaffrey touchdown, right? Yep. Um, and it was uh, like his his legs and when he scrambled and ran, um, they were they were big in a few moments. Yep. He's that. It's weird. It's it's not like he looks unathletic or anything, but I think he's more powerful than you expect. He's not, I don't, I don't think he's particularly fast, but he's able to run through contact to get out into the open field. And, and then he's also able to, it's not like he scrambles to buy time. He kind of just positions himself differently and he'll scramble a little bit and then he'll just kind of stand solid and throw against the grain at times. He's a, he's an odd, he's an odd watch at times. He He just figures out ways to get things done. Well, he's a seventh round pick. (laughs) I think that's part of it. Like he's just, he looks, it doesn't look like a prototype. And, but yeah, and yet the numbers are exactly that of a, of a prototype. Here was Dan Campbell. Again, this is one of the greatest seasons in Lions history say it's the greatest season. They made it to an NFC title game, and they won a bunch of games down the stretch, won the division. Um, here was Dan Campbell telling us what his message to his team was. Look, I told those guys, this may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware, and it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's that's the reality. And if we don't have the same hunger and the same work, which is a whole other thing, once we get the off season, um, then we got no shot of getting back here. I don't care how much better we get or what we add or what we drive. It's irrelevant. Um, it's going to be tough. Everybody in our division is going to be loaded back up, and uh, you know you're not hiding from anybody anymore. Everybody's going to want a piece of you, and uh, which is fine. You know, which is fine. I'm going to tell you, if I ever get a diagnosis for any sort of terminal illness, 
Yeah. I don't want Dan Campbell to be my doctor. Like, let me think yeah. I'm going to survive it for like at least a day or two. You know I'm what I mean? You, Sean, the odds are uh, the odds are pretty bad. Yeah, pretty, I don't just. Bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a little bit of sunshine, right? I, you on know what show. though? I guess. Uh, yeah, okay. Actually, now that you frame it that way, I feel better about his speech. You do? Because uh, I want I want to know exactly what the odds are. Okay. I do. I, I want to know if I've only got like a two percent chance of survival because that'll 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 really give me a laser focus. And I think that's what he was thinking. I do think the the whole like uh, that might have been your only shot. The analogy I thought of was like, all right, like your son, <laughs> your son has his heart broken by his high school sweetheart or something. Maybe the best thing to say isn't like, eh, she really might have been the one. Never gonna find, yeah. never gonna find another one like that. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Yeah. Not with that face of yours. Yeah. Do I do I believe that? No. Yeah. No. No. I mean, but I just, did just say it. <laughs> you just gotta know, son. I mean, yeah. she was. <laughs> this this is what would scare me if I were a Lions fan is that I think a lot of what Dan Campbell is all about is – let me back up. I think Dan Campbell is a fantastic head coach to have if you're an underdog. If you are a team that's hunting, not the hunted, that's yeah. what would scare me is, okay, this one-and-a-half-year sugar high that we've been on since we turned the corner last year, is this a, is Dan Campbell's like sort of ethos a sustainable thing – to carry us to a championship because he's going to lose at least one coordinator this offseason. Right, right, yeah. And, uh, so I think Aaron Glenn, like, uh, unless he gets a head job somewhere in the, one of these remaining spots, which doesn't look like he's the favorite in any of these. Running out of um, chairs, yeah. Yeah, so in Aaron Glenn, uh, like, Aaron, boy, I Greg Olson is so much better than Tony Romo, and yet I got a little bit confused with some of his analysis in the second half um, last night. But I thought he did a really, really great job otherwise. Um, but talking about kind of Aaron, Aaron Glenn taking sort of a non-traditional approach to the way he matches up with opponents and, and, and with the 49ers. And yet in the second half, it seemed like the, seemed like the 49ers had made the, the right adjustments in the second half. Uh, the, you know, uh, they started playing man on defense more. They, you know, they went out of type a little bit. They started going passing game from under, under center with Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. I, I do, boy, Sean. I, the one thing I think I was, uh, I, I might have, like one of, one of 29 things that I was actually accurate about uh, in my predictions for this game this weekend, I thought that both the 49ers and the Lions are some of the best running teams in the NFL, and that Kyle Shanahan, more than anything in the world, just wants to destroy you in the run game. That's just what drives him. As much as he gets credit for the passing game and everything, he just really, everybody says he just loves destroying people in the run game. And I feel like he 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 almost got he almost he almost destroyed himself with that strategy in the first half. Mm -hmm. Like, I, and I and I feel like Aaron Glenn may have baited him a little bit into mm. that, um, but had the right personnel on the field to stop it. Like, even in passing, otherwise, when he might normally have uh, like nickel personnel out there, he's just out there with his base defensive personnel and stopping the run, stopping the run, stopping the run, and Shanahan. Uh, either talked himself out of it in the at halftime, or somebody grabbed him and shook him and said, "What are you doing, Kyle? <laughs> Grab a hold of yourself!" And gave him the, the glove slap or right, something. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> uh, all right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Top of the hour, we'll do our eight at eight. The Ocho eight stories to get your uh, your Monday going here. Um, up next, the Ravens have some guys that if the Texans are looking to go shopping, I would uh, I would certainly take a look at. Is one particular Houston Texan already putting the uh, recruiting gloves on here for Nick Casario. Maybe some social media evidence that that is the case. And that is next. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents... Payne and Pendergast. A couple of Texans-related thoughts on what we watched yesterday in the AFC and NFC title games. First, uh, Amy was asking me during the games, like, okay, who are the guys that we should be watching in these games that might be Houston Texans next year? And one of the names I suggested in the um, Ravens-Chiefs game was uh, Ravens linebacker Patrick Queen. I think that'd be a... An interesting signing. Probably going to be pretty pricey, I would imagine. He'll be one of the pricier linebackers on the market. Um, you know who it would appear would love to have Patrick Queen on this football team, Seth, based on reposting posts on X, formerly known as Twitter? Derek Stingley Jr. Derek Stingley Jr. reposted a post from NFL Rumors, pending free agent Baltimore Ravens Patrick Queen stats this season, including yeah. the playoffs. And he's got all his tackles. He's got a bunch of tackles. Nine TFL, six QB hits, six yeah. passes defended, so on and so forth. Um, so Derek Stingley Jr., I believe teammates at LSU yeah. back in yeah. the day. Yeah, Patrick Queen was drafted in 2020. Okay. So they would have been uh, they would have been teammates in 2019, Derek Stingley's uh, freshman, incredible oh, yeah. freshman year. Yep, so yep. yeah, Derek Stingley and Patrick Queen, uh, either teammates once and I'm guessing might still know each other. Because Patrick Queen's from Louisiana, so he's probably around, you know, Around campus in the off seasons and whatnot. Sure. Um, yeah. So I look. Yeah, I'd be for that. That would be really cool. Christian Harris and Patrick Queen, uh, Manning, uh, Manning. Those two main off ball linebacker spots could be pretty damn sweet. It would be sweet. I would say of the Ravens though that I would want to get, and I would guess that maybe D'Amico wants, yeah. even though he's a former linebacker. He likes to talk about the D line. Matabike. That would be pretty dope. Yeah. I have Matabike. I the only thing about Matabike is that man, awesome, all pro caliber defensive lineman rarely hit free agency, and especially in uh, like you know the the Ravens have constraints, and they're ones. I mean, they showed even with Lamar, they didn't give him the <clears throat> the the true franchise right um, tag. They uh, they gave they him gave the, him the one where he could go out and find a the, deal. The if transition he wanted to. tag yeah. there, yeah. So I, that's the, the big one. Matabike might end up being kind of like 
what Mario Williams was to the, the Texans when the, the Texans had just too many free agents on a good team that they couldn't justify giving giving Mario Williams what ended up being, well, they couldn't franchise tag a man, sign everybody else. It was just way too uncomfortable. The If it gets down to the wire with Matabike, the Ravens might have to, to say, well, look, we can't franchise tag Matabike as well as keep these other – 10 really good free agents that we have, or at least keep a big, get big portion of them. So we just, we, we're going to have to let him go. That's uh that's a big question mark there. I guess from a, I, the one thing I wonder with Matabike is <clears throat> Matabike is awesome. Uh, and look, he's, I, I say this without insulting the defensive tackles for the Texans, but Matabike is just simply one of the, the very best interior defensive linemen in the league. I do think the two starters you have right now, one of whom is a free agent, Collins is the only one to be around. But like, if you were to say, if you, say you're both to, to keep both of them, like that might be more cost effective. I feel like you're getting pretty good play out of those guys, and then maybe you draft an interior defensive lineman um, or get somebody that's a little bit more cost effective. I don't know if it's the, I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's where I'd want to spend like big, big, big money in free agency. Yeah, they've got room. They've got the money to make at least one big swing like that yeah. so we'll see we'll see where it is if i had to guess it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball um and if i had to guess even more granularly i would say it's going to be on the defensive line yeah because that's what D'Amico said I, last week and because there's a lot of good defensive linemen out there and that's where i just wonder like because like, i like sheldon rankins and sheldon rankins is a free agent and i think i don't know what kind of contract he'll command he could only get a one-year deal from the texans here last year and I, I think that if they spend big, I'd prefer it to be on an edge rusher if they can get um, if they can get Rankins back. But I'm not like I'm not turning my nose up at Matabike at all. Yeah. If anything, I may be a little bit like uh, I don't want to wish for something that I'm probably not going to get. But like Matabike would be a huge addition to whichever team he goes to. The other thing in watching the NFC title game that was the AFC title game. In watching the NFC title game yesterday and watching Christian yeah. McCaffrey do his thing, and watching Jameer Gibbs do his thing, and I get it, Christian McCaffrey might be the best running back in football. Jameer Gibbs is the 12th overall pick in the draft. I um, I watch that game. I'm cool with going out and investing some resources at running back. And I know you may differ with me on that one. Yeah. Um, and I know the, the big response that I got when I tweeted that out was, well – what about the offensive line? I'm like, I get it. The offensive line needs some fixing as well because I'm because I'm tweeting my desire for a running back. Let's not do that thing where it means I'm ignoring everything else. I only have 280 characters to express this thought. If I listed everything, then you know, then we we might be here for a little while. Um, but man, just just watching. I mean, McCaffrey's next level. I'm not expecting him to go out and get Christian McCaffrey, but Jameer Gibbs. They got a lot of criticism for using the 12th overall pick on Jameer Gibbs. And he, fumble notwithstanding, I get it. Yeah. I, I know he had a, a major faux pas in that game, or at least was part of it. But he was a huge reason why they were in that position in the first place. Like, overall, like, this I, season. I guess the, but the problem is, if like, okay, if you're talking about drafting a running back, then, like, cool. Like, and I feel like the Texans are now, they're a playoff caliber team, and they're, in the, they're drafting late in the first round. Mm-hmm. Then, then you get a running back on a cheap deal for a few years. I'd be okay with that um, in theory. I, I think the 
it's just that no matter who the running back is, if you pay big money to a running back free agent, it's just a, it's just a dumb play statistically. You're just there's a really really good chance that you're going to end up wondering why the hell do they pay so much money to a guy that either isn't good or is injured all the time. It's just how it's played out, you know. I, I just don't like no matter who it is or how much it makes sense at the time. It's just so rarely the right thing to do. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying overspent, like over, overspend yeah. on running back. What I'm saying is, and I think part of what I'm about to say is, I think they were counting on way more from Damian Pierce this year than they got, like yeah. way more. Um, the solution can't be to run, run it back with Damian Pierce and some other Devin Singletary level signing at one year, three and a half million. That that cannot that cannot be the solution for your top two running backs going into next year. If you can get one of the names you and I went through last week at what we think is a reasonable price, Derrick Henry, yeah. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, all of the, any of those guys, Austin Eckler, and then you supplement that, not with a guy in the sixth round, but like maybe use your second or third round pick if it's warranted. Like Don't overdraft the guy, but I am cool with that being a position that if by the end of day two you've used three picks, one of them's on a running back, I'm fine with that. Like it, it's just it's so clear. Like with those two teams yesterday, that yeah, I mean they have really good offensive lines and they block really well. But once the offensive line has done their job, they got guys that are doing things in the open field and doing things just with speed yeah. that that the Texans just didn't have that club in their bag this year. That's the thing with um, the the thing about the offensive line too. When it comes to the run game, is you got to remember that they wasted the first half of the season not giving Singletary that many carries. That once they actually started running with a running back that was capable with a lot of the zone runs, that they actually started looking a lot better. And that's Devin Singletary, who's not a, a, a premier guy. The reason I like the reason I get excited about the prospects of Derrick Henry is that I think for the most part, I don't think I would expect he's not going to get a lot of good offers. I think a lot of people are going to look at his age um, and, and, you know, and in his performance last year, he was the second leading rusher in the league, but it's different these days than that. That, that means something different than it used to, but he was playing behind probably the worst offensive line in the league that just simply having a running back who knows what the hell he's doing with a lot of the outside zone, as well as just, you know, the conventional gap schemes too, that, that makes your offensive line look better too. It just, it does. Um, so that's where, like, I look at, I look at Derrick Henry almost like maybe like a Frank Gore type. I don't know, like he might play he might play ten more years. And I don't know if he'll be premier or anything like that, but I think he's still got a lot of functional life left in him. And he might be that rare outlier where you don't have to worry as much about his frailty like you do with every other running back in the league, including and especially Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, if I signed Derrick Henry, I would say I'm signing you to carry the ball hundred and seventy five times. You know, something yeah. like that. You know, carry the ball, you know, touch the ball eight eight to ten times a game. Right? Something like that for Henry? I don't know. I think it would be a game-by-game game thing. I think there might be some times where he's, yeah. Maybe, or, yeah, like over the course of the season, I guess I'm more looking. Like, I, like he's he's carried it twice that a lot of seasons. You know, I'm, I guess I'm just saying you're going to be part of a committee here. Yeah. Um, where you, you, and, yeah, you may end up being the main guy if there's certain games where we got to put teams away and we're going to lean on you to do that. Yeah. Um. Text message, McCaffrey looked hurt after his run inside the five-yard line in the fourth quarter, ended up landing on top of his head. Trainer was tweaking his neck. Irwin, that was the long run that McCaffrey had, and he got tackled inside the five. And, yeah, he he was calling for a sub after that. Like, he, he got up, and he was waving to the sideline, and they showed the replay. Yeah, and they were massaging his neck on the sideline. He landed directly, like, pile driver style. 
yeah. on top of his head. He looked fine on the podium after the game, or the dais, whatever we call it, the stage. He looked yeah. okay. I, he didn't he look looked hurt. Uh, like I thought they were they were doing like an active release technique on his like he, his neck was probably all jammed up. Yeah. Um, I, the other guy, well, Greenlaw had a stinger, which uh, I, I figured at the time that it was a stinger or a separated shoulder. Like neither of those are that big a deal. Um, as long as as long as he doesn't like sometimes you get a stinger and it's it sucks. Uh, he had the. I thought it was a stinger with Greenlaw because he had the look on his face of somebody who gets a lot of stingers, and it's kind of embarrassing because in the moment, you can't move your arm, and it feels like you broke your collarbone, like the pain is as bad, but you know that it's going to go away, so it's kind of embarrassing because you're like, you're like, ah, look, I, trust me, I'm, I, my arm isn't working right now, but I also at the same time know that it's not that big a deal. That was, and, uh, and if you said this, I'm sorry, Dre Greenlaw, that happened to him in that game. Yeah, that's who I was You're talking, talking about. Okay, yeah. sorry about that. I was, yeah. I was, that's okay. I was looking um, Yeah, so he, like, so he ended up coming back. His replacement was out there for a couple series after that, but then he was in by the end of the game. Yeah. But then sometimes if you get a stinger, though, too, you can lose strength in that arm um, for, for a few weeks, uh, so... Yeah, I guess that'd be something to monitor, but it's not as I, I think he'll be fine. He looked okay. He, look, he had the look of somebody who's had multiple stingers. He, I, he, I used to get them all the time, and it, it sucks. He definitely had the look of somebody who wasn't worried about it after about right, five right, or ten yeah. minutes. He's kind of laughing about it on <laughs> yeah, the sideline. Yeah, no, it sucks because it does. You can't move your arm. It hurts. It hurts. All, like the first time I ever had one in high school, I thought I broke my collarbone yeah. or something because it's above your collarbone. But it's like you don't know. It just hurts. It hurts like something broke bad. And it never stops hurting that much. It's just that you know that it's going to go away. Yep. Um, I don't know if I agree with this text message. Purdy is Johnny football if Manziel had studied and practiced. Manziel's a next that's level a athlete. That, Manziel's yeah, a next a, level <laughs> athlete. Like, but Purdy is not running away from guys in the SEC. I don't know if he's a next level athlete. Compared, I, uh, compared to Purdy. Okay, yeah. I don't like Manziel. I almost, I mean, because when he got to the NFL and he tried to run, it felt almost. Um, I don't know. It kind of like when Bryce, like people thought Bryce Young was a good athlete. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. like, okay, he can he can scramble around in college, but he gets to the NFL and he's just. He's not that guy, but yeah, I would say yeah, Manziel is definitely a more a, a more fluid athlete than right. Uh, than yeah, ne- yeah, next level in a vacuum. Next level is probably exaggerating. He's a way better athlete than Purdy, in my opinion. Yeah, but I, that's such a big diversity. That's almost like saying that like <laughs> somebody. I, this feels like somebody who's saying he's six foot tall and he's white, so he's Johnny Manziel. Yeah. <laughs> that's what this feels like. Well, like saying that all if you could, I don't think it's really doing due justice to how little effort Johnny Manziel put into things right like it's uh like to say that oh if Johnny man it's like basically saying that well you know if uh if Jack the Ripper hadn't been a psycho killer he was a hell of a guy right uh, like that's what it's like saying like if Johnny Manziel had worked harder had it then uh then, yeah. then he could have been Brock Purdy yep yeah. yep yep um Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh someone says McCaffrey was a free agent. He got traded there. He, McCaffrey was not a free agent. He got traded to uh No, but I think the but the point is still valid. Okay, it's a guy that was on his second contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's gone and, and done that. Yeah, that's a valid point. Um th- what did they give up to get McCaffrey? They gave up they gave up a two, a three, a four, and a five. A lot of draft picks. Yeah. So it's the draft picks more. The part about his contract though is that the Panthers did the took the lion's share of the damage on the contract? They did, yeah. So whatever that works out to, does that work? Uh, did all that those draft picks all equated to like a late first round pick? I think. Uh, well, dude, if you add them all up. I'll tell you, they. I don't know what they equated to, but I saw yeah. a tweet last night as to how they've been deployed. And if I'm a Panther fan, 
I'm a Panther fan. I'm probably already on suicide watch, but the the picks have all been deployed, and the main ones, the second round pick they got, they used in the Bryce Young trade. In the third and fourth rounders, they got the they used to move up and get someone named DJ Johnson. The Panthers did, and I don't know what they did with the fifth, but it's a fifth, and I don't think they did anything significant with it. So they've like, yeah, I don't know what the what the Jimmy Johnson chart says. I just know that the Panthers traded their best player, turned around, and then used it to get a quarterback who looks completely snowed over and some guy I've never heard of before. Yeah, as far as the and then as far as McCaffrey goes too. Like I'm, I'm always going to be skeptical of any running back trade. Always, the difference with McCaffrey is that he's also such a good receiver that if you are going to do it, if you're going to pay big money or do a second contract or anything, which remember the the, the 49ers are not paying the act the whole second contract. The Panthers took most of that damage on that. Um, it's got to be a dual threat guy, like a, like a, an extreme dual threat yeah, guy, because yeah. that's where it's worth it with running backs. Now. And dude, he breaks tackles. Holy cow, he breaks tackles. Christian McCaffrey, like you wouldn't think it to look at him because he's, you know, he's not, he's not, you know, he's not Derrick Henry, um, but he's, God, he's so strong. He is so strong. It almost feels like with the running back, with the McCaffrey trade, Seth, they were trying to do at running back what it looked like they were trying to do at quarterback with Trey Lance, where it's like, okay, we got this system and yeah. this Jimmy Garoppolo sure can run it well, but boy, if we get somebody who's got these next level superhero powers, mm-hmm. then this might unlock some things. And it felt like the McCaffrey trade, especially in retrospect now that he's an MVP candidate, has been like, okay, we've done this with Elijah Mitchell and Raheem Mostert, and it's worked out pretty good. But boy, what yeah. if we get this guy who yeah. can catch yeah. the football and actually break tackles? And that one worked. The Trey Lance one, this just in, did not work. That one did not work. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.